your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Bowers awaits the shotgun snap, sends the tight end in motion. They roll right. Bowers throws pass. It's not going Let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. We're here from Champaign, Illinois, where tomorrow the Nebraska Cornhuskers will take on the Fighting Illini. 7 o'clock kickoff. Pre-game coverage begins at 2. Both teams have their first league contest tomorrow. We'll preview that game throughout the show tonight. In fact, Brian Christofferson of Huskers 24-7 will be with us in a few minutes. We'll get his take, his thoughts about this matchup between Nebraska and Illinois. In hour number two, if we can find Nate Rohr, I think he's roaming around here somewhere. We're going to have, have him jump in here with our Big Ten picks for the week. And, Ben, I... I need to bounce back. I did not perform, I don't think, very well last week. You know, I don't think I, I really held my end up very well either. So but you picked somebody. You had an upset pick. I picked Temple over Yeah, Maryland. you had that one. But that, I mean, I mean that's like that's like getting a, a two-out single in a nine-run game in the ninth inning. Does it really matter? Well, maybe not. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Well, we'll go through our picks. Not as many games this week, obviously, as we're now in the conference play. So we don't have the 13, 14 matchups that we've had the first couple of weeks. We'll dive into our Big Ten picks. We'll hear from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network and get his thoughts about a lot of different things. There is some news this afternoon out of the NFL that's worth kind of mentioning here off the top, and that is that the New England Patriots have parted ways with Antonio Brown, the much-talked-about wide receiver that – couldn't get on the same page with the Oakland Raiders. Couldn't find a helmet that fit his head right in Oakland, so he leaves. He goes to New England. Uh, they play him last week in their victory over the Dolphins, and now he's gone. I think he's untouchable now, Ben. I don't know that anybody in the league picks him up after what's now the allegations that have come out about some sexual assaults that he's been involved with or allegedly involved with. I, I think I don't think anybody touches him now. Well, I mean, not as an offensive player. Before too long, he could be used as a defensive coordinator with all the playbooks he's accumulated over the last few weeks. Yeah, it's been a a tumultuous couple of months for Antonio Brown, and, you know, things just don't seem to be getting better for him. They seem to be getting worse, and, you know, that's, that's really unfortunate for him. He's one of the game's best talents. There's no arguing that. Um, I mean, shoot, he's, he's on the grounds of New England for a week, and he's already massively involved in their game plan to scores a touchdown last week. But, yeah, you're opening yourself up to a lot of uh, PR interest if you decide to bring him on, on now. And, you know, it's unfortunate for him, and, and honestly, it's unfortunate for the NFL that his behavior's gotten in the way from what he can bring to the league on Sundays. And, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't know that, that he plays uh, anytime soon in the, in the no-fun league. Well, uh, so we'll talk to Ian about a lot of things. He's coming up in hour number two. Hour three, we'll have our weekend preview. We'll let you listen in on part of tomorrow's Cornhusker conversation with Diedrich Mills, the running back for Nebraska, who had a very good game last week, over 100 yards rushing against Northern Illinois. We'll have our weekend review and our ever-popular winners and losers of the week coming up in hour number three. And our phone line's always open and available to you at 866-HUSKER-1-866-487-5371. Let's get it back to football and why we're here in Champaign, the game 
tomorrow night. Second straight time we've been to Champaign to play a night game. Two years ago, it was a Friday night game, and now it's a Saturday night game. Huskers did win that game a couple of years ago, and uh, but that's they've only won one of the road games since that one, and that was at Purdue later that season, and that that's kind of the the albatross on this team right now, Ben, is the inability to win road games. Certainly some close ones, but close only counts in, what, horseshoes and hand grenades. Uh, you need to get it done, and I think that's been probably the speech all week long that this team has heard is it's time to go win on the road. It is, and, and I'm tired of talking about it, really. Um, you know, it's it's been addressed ad nauseum with the media and bringing it up to Coach Frost about why your teams don't play well on the road, and, and I don't even know that it's Nebraska hasn't particularly – played poorly on the road they just haven't had the ability to close anybody out or or make the plays that they need to make in the last few minutes of the game to come out on top on the road and it's time for that to be reversed it's time for the Huskers to uh, you know as we've said you you couple all the lessons that they've learned uh, you know in the first three weeks of the season and put them all together play complete 60 minutes of football efficiency offensively keep the pressure on the line of scrimmage defensively with those sacks and those TFLs and and hopefully that leads to turnovers um you know ultimately that's that's the goal tomorrow and 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 an unfamiliar feeling which is a happy flight home and it should be a win honestly I mean Nebraska's a two touchdown favorite they're a better football team than Illinois they have better players than Illinois they have a lot more players than Illinois so it needs to be a win tomorrow and I'm not trying to downgrade the Illini but this is a team that Nebraska's uh, better than and, and this is this should be a road win tomorrow night for the big red they've got to go earn it they got to do all those things but this this needs to be in the win column yeah it does and and you know when you before the season count them up this is a game you count a win absolutely and and you don't even really think twice about it uh illinois uh takes a beating from me when it comes to our position breakdowns every year and i don't know that they're quite as bad as i i say they are every summer <laughs> but they're they're just they're kind of fun to poke fun at in that respect. It's just I this is a team that Nebraska if they're if they're where they think they are or heading as a program, you cannot take a step back and lose to this team tomorrow. Um, we're in for a, a very long week and perhaps a very long season if that's the case. And, and I don't I don't think that's the case. I think this team's feeling pretty hungry still after you know a couple of weeks ago in our last road trip and. I think they want to taste a little bit more of what they got in the locker room after NIU last week. So I think this is a time for Nebraska to put their foot on the gas pedal and go show what they're made of. We uh, don't really have any updates as far as injury situations. There was no media availability today. Uh, again, I said this on the show last time. My gut tells me Hymas is going to play. Not so sure about Cam Taylor-Britt. I just don't know if he's quite ready to go yet. And it might be wise to, to let him rest one more week, get him seven more days of rest before you play Ohio State. Certainly, I think this team and, and these coaches have confidence in guys like Isaiah Stallbird and Eli Sullivan to play some snaps in that secondary, that safety spot. Well, I was just about to say, if, if you're having bust after bust, mental breakdown, missed tackles, physical mistakes from those guys behind Cam Taylor Britt, you're obviously more likely to throw him in there and play him um, and maybe rush him back a little a little bit further maybe not rush him back but uh, you, you you can't be you're probably not as cautious I, I guess is the best way to put it when it comes to uh, getting him back in the lineup but so far those guys that have been out there haven't given us any reason to not trust them and I think that's where 
you know, an extra week of rest and more snaps for those backups. Just because those guys are walk-ons, you know, you look at that depth chart when it's released before the year and you go, oh, boy, we're really thin at safety, assuming that the walk-ons aren't good players and they they can't contribute. That hasn't been the case. Right. And, and I think that's that people are slowly starting to feel better about where Nebraska is uh, with with the safety depth. And let's be honest, that was a big concern. When you're not seeing Noah Polagates and Quentin Newsom and Miles Farmer on, on the on the depth chart, you know, you're wondering how deep is Nebraska at safety really. But I think we're finding out that it wasn't a, a situation where Nebraska needed to fill the second line of the depth chart, and those are the two names they wrote down, as as opposed to them earning it in fall camp and, and earning the, the trust of the coaches. How much fun was it last week down on the sideline to see those jailbreak punt blocks that Nebraska had? <laughs> well, you could just, I mean, it's like a – you know, it's it's like a dog getting ready to get a, a turkey dinner or something like that. You know, their 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 mouths are saliva, their saliva dripping from their mouths, and you know they're just twitching and shaking and so ready to go. Uh, you could sense that from the very first punt that they were coming, and and I think after the first, they didn't count it as a block, but a forced fumble for the punt, and then getting that second one. And I go back to the coaches. You have to give a lot of credit to the coaches on that in the film study going, guys, look, this is this is what we got to do. And we see a real opportunity here in the punt game to change this game and get a couple of blocks or, you know, at least change the field position. And if nothing else, hurry the punt because that punter was pretty darn good. He, his average coming into the game was was close to 50 yards a kick. And if you can, you know, change that rhythm up, change that timing, you're you know, field position's a big thing. I don't know that they necessarily expected a block punt and a forced fumble from the punter, but uh, a lot of credit to the coaches for finding that in the film and, and letting the, the dogs off the leash. It's one of the funnest plays in oh. football. That that thing and, and any kind of kick return, punt or kickoff, those are the funnest plays in football. Yeah, and the block kicks too, you know, just to see them coming. Yep. Um, even, even when they don't get them, you're like, oh, you know. Yep. You, you, to see – we did not have that with Mike Riley. We didn't have guys coming after punts and laying out. And, and again, it's not that you get them every time, but it's it's the effort. You know, you like to see the guys laying out. And now I don't want to see them touch the punter, but, you know, it, it's it's it, you're right. It's a really exciting play when you do finally get one. Yeah. It, it's an exhilarating feeling. Yeah, it's a blast. All right, that's what we have on the program tonight. Again, phone lines, if you want to sound off, what are you expecting, hoping to see tomorrow night for the Cornhuskers? We'd love your take on that. I know a lot of you are probably getting ready to uh, head to high school football games around the area, around the state, so be careful traveling out around some of those spots. I mean, I can't believe we're still playing high school football games. It's almost 90 degrees. It's crazy as deep as we're getting into September. Going to be nice here tomorrow night as well. Should be temperature right around 80 when we kick this one off tomorrow night. Delighted to welcome on board the program Huskers 24-7's Brian Christofferson, who's also either on his way or nearing Champaign, Illinois. Is this this a – where's this one rank, this stop on the Big Ten tour? Is this middle of the pack, lower part? Where would you put this thing, B.C.? Should should take my mother's advice. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. I I, <laughs> I, I would say I would say a bottom bottom end. I like the press box. I like the stadium. I think it's got kind of a cool look to it. Kind of an old throwback stadium. All right, uh, give me your, your the th- red green center. That's true. They have the Grange Grove outside where they tailgate pretty yeah. after pretty good for the tailgating part of it. All right, we've seen this team for three weeks now. What's your what's your analysis of this team through three games? 
Well, I, I mean, I think the defense has played ten and a half good quarters out of twelve. It's just that one that one clunker uh, in the fourth against Colorado that sticks with people a little bit. But there's there's a lot to like on that side of the ball. I mean, I think the defensive line has kind of been as advertised. I think Lamar and DiCaprio are playing at a really high level at the cornerback spot. And I think some linebackers have come along. I think Colin Miller's playing well and Alex Davis. So there's a lot of good stuff happening. I was just looking at the numbers. I think they have 27 tackles for loss in three games, which ranks eighth in the country. And last year they were 101st in the country in that, and they only had 63 all year. So they are making plays and they're getting turnovers and they're stopping the run. So that's kind of uh, exactly what the MO was. So most of that's been good. I think the offense uh, has left a little to be desired. I think there's been some inconsistency up front, and I don't think we've seen the best from Adrian Martinez yet. I think he's got more tools that he can show, and you know he had that great first half against Colorado, but I don't know if he's put together yet a four-quarter performance, but uh, that's sort of the beauty of tomorrow. You know, They start off 0-0 zero and zero with a fresh road to Indy, and if, if they can get clicking there, um, you know, that's still a group that I think can be pretty potent, but they've got to find a rhythm. Doesn't the defense, Brian, the way they play, if they can continue that, doesn't that give them a shot most weeks if they play at that level? Yeah, I think so. Uh, that, that's the one reason I, I know some folks are thinking, ah, this, this shot at the West isn't looking as, as good. Uh, but Nebraska hasn't had a run defense, I don't think, like this in a while. Now, I know it's against subpar competition, but when you're holding teams to, you know, 2.18 per carry, um, that, that's darn good no matter who you're playing. Tomorrow is going to be good for this team, and especially that defense, because you get a look, I think, at one of the top three running backs in the Big Ten in uh, Reggie Corbin and a guy who can reverse his field and make something out of nothing. So you've really got to bottle him up and tackle well. Uh, but this is exactly what I think this group needs to see especially a week before you're going to see J.K. Dobbins at uh, Ohio State and all that they have to offer. So uh, this, this is a good test for them. But I, to your question, if you have a good run defense, uh, that's something that's obviously portable and can you know, win you a lot of games on the road usually. Um, and so that, that's a pretty good tool to have in your pocket. Well, And the reason I, I say that, and I think you, you know where I'm going here, is that Wisconsin and Iowa are still going to be the barometers for those West. And if you can't stop their running game, you're not going to beat them. But this team looks like it's better equipped to do that as we look down the road to those big matchups in November. And there's a lot of football to be played between now and then. And maybe Nebraska doesn't look as good. But if you can't stop the run, you're not going to beat those teams and win the division, are you? No, that's exactly right. And the difference right now you see is that defensive line actually has six guys that you can have faith in and you can rotate them out in and out pretty freely. And so guys aren't getting as tired and you know, as well as anybody in recent years, uh, they've been so thin there. And especially by the time they got to Iowa, uh, there's some guys playing, you know, extended snaps on the D line that frankly probably shouldn't be playing that many snaps on the D line. And, you know, a good example of, of how good the depth is right now is, you know, Jakeem Green shows up and everybody's excited. He's a pretty good junior college get. And I don't think there's any rush right now uh, to necessarily move him into the, into the fray because they feel like they've got enough guys. And there's, you know, Ty Robinson and Casey Rogers, some of these young players, 
I think they like them a lot, but you don't have to force it. You have, because they, they can have some time to develop because you've actually got uh, a, a good group in front of them. So um, that's the difference to me. It's the depth. And then the linebackers, I think, are playing at a decent level now. But we're going to see a lot more tomorrow, I think, with this linebacker group, like how far they've really come and, and how, how well they hold up against the run. Visiting with Brian Christofferson of Huskers 24-7 here on Sports Nightly. Huskers ready to launch into league play tomorrow night with Illinois 7 o'clock kickoff at Memorial Stadium in Champaign. You touched on the offense. How much do you think it's the inexperience at some spots, not having a Stanley Morgan or Divine Zigbo or having a redshirt freshman center uh, with the bulk of the snaps? How much has that been a factor in kind of stunting their growth the first three games? I think it's a big part of it because you've heard Scott Frost say with excitement, hey, I've got this whole group of guys basically for the next couple of years. But with that, you know, you got to combine that with the thought there could be some rough parts at the beginning of that time. And that's what we're, we've seen, I think. And you've especially seen it up front. And we knew that was going to be tough all off season. The whole talk was who's going to win the center job. And regardless of who was going to win it, they were going to be a redshirt freshman and they were going to be young and have to figure a lot out in a hurry. And I think Cam has gotten better week by week. And so that's encouraging. I think some of the older guys need to step up around him too. I think they've been okay, but I wouldn't say they've been great. You know, when you talk about like Bo Wilson and Farniok and, you know, obviously we'll see if what Hymas does tomorrow, if they have to play Brock Bando in his place at left tackle, uh, you know, that those guys have to rise to the occasion too and kind of lead the way for those younger guys. But I do think at the skill spots, it's still, okay, who's going to step up beyond that main crew, you know, of Spielman, Maurice Washington. And I think I'd even put Wandale in that category, the way they try to get him the ball, but who after those guys uh, can get you some quality touches and get some big plays. I'd like to see the tight ends kind of break out a little bit more. I think they've been quieter than I thought. And I'd like to see maybe Stolen Allen take a big step tomorrow in the passing game. All right, let's shift to Illinois. Are, are they better in your eyes than they've been, or is this still kind of the same Illinois team we've seen the last two, three years? I think they've got a little more talent, but I, I don't think they've, they've made a big step. I mean, they, they lost a bad game last week, and uh, you know they are in a tussle with UConn a couple weeks ago. So I, I don't think this is a team that's come a long ways. Um, like I said, Corbin, I think, is a really good player. I think their QB is playing well for them, uh, Peters. I like the fact for Nebraska, though, that uh, he's not the most elusive guy, and I, you can get to him and you can get sacks. And so I expect them to hit him a little bit. And uh, I think they'll cause some turnovers, too, with that. They've already been doing that, and I, I suspect that might continue. Um, they, they have a couple weapons at receiver that can get you for big plays. And that's something to keep an eye on uh, tomorrow, especially when you don't know Nebraska's situation at safety. It looks like Cam Taylor-Britt, according to the photos, has made the trip at least, but I don't know if he's going to play or not. And so you're probably looking at Markel Dismuke, Eric Lee. Those guys are experienced, but, um, you know, they, they weren't the starter. Markel was a starter, but Eric Lee wasn't at the beginning of the year. So uh, they're going to need to step up. And so they need to communicate really well on the back end because if there's been one weakness in this defense, and we saw that Colorado, it's sort of that 
the big pass play, and they got beat on a couple. And then Northern Illinois missed on a couple last week. So that's something I think they got to iron out. Yeah. All right, um, best guess, how do you think this unfolds tomorrow night? I think it. I think there's going to be a situation where we're really in the third quarter and Nebraska's got themselves, you know, a 10 to 14 point lead. And to me, it's that there's going to be that key part where can Nebraska just, you know, step on the throat, as we always say, and put this thing to bed without it getting all uh, strange and wild. And we've seen some weird stuff in that stadium before that we don't even want to revisit um, for four years ago. I mean, just do not let that become that type of game where with six minutes left, you know, you're in a one-score game and anything can happen. But I, I think they'll have the chance uh, to deliver the knockout blow early in the second half at some point, and they just need to do it. They need to get that next score when they can tell a team, you know, it's not going to happen today. This, this, this isn't going to be your day. So I'll say Nebraska 38-22 to 22 was my pick. Um, I don't think they're going to coast, uh, but I think it can be a comfortable win if, if, if they play solid and don't lose the turnover battle. Well, if they're going to break that that road losing skid, there's not a lot of places better than this, are there? I mean, this this is one that if you want to be a part of this Big Ten West race, you, you got to win this one, right? This would be a devastating loss, I think. I mean, because people w- really want to get into this year too, and Colorado kind of you know it hurt that a little bit. People felt that wound for a while, and they still feel it. But I think there's kind of the thought: okay, there's zero and zero in the West. Uh, this all starts over. Uh, get a win tomorrow and look kind of good doing it. And, uh, you know, then it gets pretty fun with Ohio State coming to town and a lot of attention on that game. But if you, uh, if you lay an egg and you lose this game, uh, there's going to be that here-we-go-again feeling around the state like we've seen this season before, and it takes a lot of the juice out of next week. So uh, this is a very big game. Um Every everyone is with Nebraska football, and it, you know Ohio State is the one everyone highlights. But uh, to make that a big game, you gotta you gotta take care of these ones. No doubt, Brian. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Travel safe. We'll see you at the uh, at the stadium tomorrow. All right, sounds good. Here we are, Sports Highly from Champaign, Illinois. Getting ready for the Huskers matchup tomorrow night against the Fighting Illini. Here's what we have coming up this hour. We're going to have our Choices Treatment Center, Big Ten Picks of the Week. And after last week, we're about to find out here that we, you may want to ignore <laughs> us, perhaps. And Ian Rappaport will be here. He's a regular guest on Friday nights from the NFL Network. Ian knows it all what's happening around the National Football League. But Austin is back in our palatial studios in the Haymarket. Lay it on us. How did we do last week, and where do we stand in this whole thing? Not great. Not terrible. Last oh. week. High score was six out of nine correct picks. Ben and I tied with six. Uh, Greg oh, that's and Dave. Bad. You were six and three. Ben, you were six and three. That's okay. Better than terrible. Yeah. What were Nate and I then? Yeah, you guys both went five out of nine. Uh, unacceptable. Don't like it at all. When you're not even picking the spread, that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, I, I, I'm hurting. Uh, I'm. Uh. Nobody circles the wagons well, like Nate Rohr, though. How about you, how about you and, and Josh? Do you have those numbers with you? All right. Uh, yeah, Josh went five out of nine, and I went six out of nine. Okay. Ooh. So then we're overall. All, we're all right there. Yeah. Overall on the season, Ben is in the lead, 28 out of 33 thus far. Hat Recap. tip, Ben. Greg and Nate, you guys are both Thank one you. pick behind at 27 out of 33. 
Re okay. re recount. I want to recount. I'm right there. <laughs> Unfortunately, right Excel totals in itself, so. Well, okay. I guess I'll trust that. Hey, our Big Ten predictions presented by Choices Treatment Center, helping make people make positive choices. Okay, let's get into the games tomorrow. We can bounce back, boys. Long season ahead of us. <laughs> now we, uh, we can we can pick up the pace here. Let's start with the 11 o'clock games tomorrow um, on BTN. UConn at Indiana. Illinois played UConn, Nate Roar, a couple of weeks ago. Hoosiers got, got popped pretty good last week by the Buckeyes, 51-10. to 10. Who do you like in the UConn-Indiana game? I'm all IU on this one. I've got no faith in UConn. Indiana has some good things going on. I know Ohio State whipped them, but Ohio State's plenty good, so give me the Hoosiers comfortably. If this were a, a matchup of basketball teams, I'd be interested. If this was a matchup of baseball teams, I'd be interested. However, it's a matchup of football teams, and I'm not interested. Uh, <laughs> I'll choose Indiana by default because UConn is among the worst football teams in Division One. So, Wow. You're I'm, not holding back, are you? Give me the Hoosiers. Austin, how about you and Josh? Yeah, Josh and I don't hold Indiana's big defeat to Ohio State against them. In, or Ohio State much better than UConn, just a little bit better. Okay, uh, I'll make it a clean sweep. I like the Hoosiers to go to three and one with a win tomorrow. Halfway to bowl eligibility yeah. again. Eleven o'clock on BTN. Also at eleven o'clock on BTN. Ben McLaughlin, we'll start with you. Boston College, after being thoroughly embarrassed by the Kansas Jayhawks last week, now travels to the birthplace of college football, Piscataway, New Jersey, to take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. It was one week ago from right now that Nate and I were making so much fun of the Kansas program uh, and how they were going to go try and win a football game in Chestnut Hill, and they did it. I mean, give them credit. They ran all over Boston College, who I thought was decent. I did, too. Um, and so now I'm rethinking every strategy. And this is one more game that I ever wanted to have to pick with Boston College involved. The thing that's making it easier is I think it was two weeks ago that we were making fun of Rutgers on this program. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll choose Boston College on the bounce back. I think BC has by far the best player on the field with AJ Dill on their running back. So, um, yeah, give me uh, give me the Eagles. Give me the Eagles, and and I I don't think we'll be making fun of USC or Utah tonight. I think th those are formidable teams. So, yeah, give me uh, give me BC. All right, Austin, how about you and Josh? Fly Eagles, fly. Not great losing to Kansas at home. If Boston College were to somehow lose to Rutgers, they might just have to shut down the program, losing to those two teams in back-to-back -back weeks. But Josh and I both picked Boston College as well. I think you guys are underestimating the home field advantage of Rutgers <laughs> for this game. No, you're really not. I go with BC <laughs> as well. Nate, clean uh, sweep? Yeah, BC by a very comfortable margin. Really? Not even uh, close? Nope, not even close. I think it's within 10. Ooh. I think it's within 10. I think it's a game in the fourth quarter, but BC hangs on to win. All right, uh, let's go, Austin, you and Josh. You get one of the big ones tomorrow, 11 o'clock. ABC up the road from here. Michigan State, nearly a 10-point favorite on Northwestern. How do you guys see this one? We're both taking the Spartans. I'm a little surprised that we both line up on that one. I went back and forth between it. I think Michigan State's defense is better than Northwestern's. The offenses are probably 
comparable Northwestern's maybe a little bit better, but we both picked the Spartans to bounce back. I told Teddy last night this line makes no sense, and usually when it doesn't, stay away from it. I'm not even going to heed my own advice. I think the Cats win outright. They won three in a row with the Spartans. I take Northwestern beating Michigan State. That thing's about to implode in East Lansing, Nate Roar. Oh, boy, that's bold. Here's the thing. Like, you, you look at the four units, Northwestern's offense, Northwestern's defense, Michigan State offense, Michigan State D. There's one really good one, right? Michigan State's defense. Everybody else is, is slog. So I'm taking MSU. But double digits? That's a little hot for me. Are we sure Michigan State can score in double I, digits? I don't <laughs> think they can. I think Northwestern's defense is a little bit better than what Nate's throwing out there. I think it's going to be an exact replica of what we saw last week between Michigan State and Arizona State. Yep. But I'll say Michigan State gets to double digits and wins like a 13-7, 13-10 game. I, feel- um, I don't know what the unders are. But I'm taking the unders in that game. I feel like if this game turns into a shootout, it's because there are like three fumble return touchdowns and a pick six or something. What's the over-under? Probably, I'm guessing 35. Look, have Brett look that up back there and let me know, Austin. It's got to be way under 40 I'm guessing 34 or 35. So I'm the only one that's taking the catch. Yeah. Wow. They're the home team. They've won three straight in this series. They've owned, Pat Fitzgerald has owned Mark D'Antonio the last half century. Or last half decade. Who do you trust? Here's a question. Do you trust Hunter Johnson or Brian Lewerke more? Hunter Johnson. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I got some inside information in this game, so I, I'm going Is Northwestern. the same inside information yep. we all got last yep. night and sure. Thursday yeah. with, yeah. uh, with our yeah. friend from Teddy Greenstone? Yeah, sure is. <laughs> all right, 11 o'clock. Nate, this one's to you. Here's a biggie at Camp Randall, Michigan. Jim Harbaugh taking on the Badgers. Wisconsin is a three-point favorite. Grinding my teeth on this one a little bit. Michigan has been pretty underwhelming through the first couple of games. Wisconsin has been dominant, but I'm going with Michigan. I have a tough time trusting what I'm seeing from Wisconsin to this point. I I don't like their defense very much, even though, yes, they haven't given up a point. But, again, who are you playing? I'm taking Michigan. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going with the Wolverines. I feel like injuries are a pretty big deal here. Wisconsin's without uh, their starting safety uh, and Nelson, and and I don't know that that Williams is playing uh, the defensive tackle for them. So is that two weeks ago? Yeah, I, I'm with Nate. I've been going back and forth on this game all week, um, and typically when this happens, I my fallback is who's the best player on the field, and I think it's Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to choose the home team, but. My confidence level is about a 0.3. So you got Wisconsin. I'm picking Wisconsin. So you two are both? We're split. You're split. He's on that side of the table. How about a tiebreaker back there, Austin? We got a tiebreaker back there from you and Josh. We are not breaking the tie. Josh goes with Wisconsin. I go with Michigan. It's up to you. <sighs> two and two. Yeah, how about That's that? great math how on my that? part. That's good math. Really well done. <laughs> Nicely done. Um, yeah, this one's... When has Jim Harbaugh won a big game since he's been at, at that school? I mean, has he? He's won. He's beaten Little Brother twice. The last two years he has been able to beat Little Brother twice. He's over against Ohio State. He, I know he's won a bowl game over somebody. Did he beat Florida one year? I think he beat Florida one year in the Was Citrus Bowl. Was it Florida Bowl. State? I think they lost that game to Florida State. 
Yeah, they did. They did lose he that. Doesn't that was a, Dalvin Cook. He, do, he doesn't win this one. I go Badgers tomorrow by a field goal. And I don't want that because as a Husker fan, we need Michigan to win, right? That's the one we need. It's really hard for me to, to root for Sergeant Khaki Pants, I, <laughs> but I have to do it. All right, Ben, back to you to start this one off. This will be a doozy. Uh, 2.30 on BTN. Miami of Ohio at Ohio. Can we let Nate go first? I've got to think about this one a little bit longer. No, it's your turn. Can't stall on this. All right. Yank, yank my arm on it. I'll, I'll choose Ohio State. You, you, you mentioned home field advantage, and yeah. I, that's going to be the difference the shoe, tomorrow. The shoe there, tough. All right, Austin, how about you and, and, and Joshua? Uh, first shouts to Brad. He found the line for that Michigan State-Northwestern game at 37. The over-under is 37. Okay. Yes. Sounds right. Yeah, that's about right. I so, would take the under. Still yeah, take I under. think it would. <laughs> All right, how are you picking Ohio State and Miami of Ohio? All right, Josh takes Ohio State. I also take Ohio Ooh. State. No Ben Roethlisberger for Miami of Ohio. That hurts him. Yeah. Yeah, he's done. <laughs> Nate, you going to upset the apple cart at all? Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I got the Buckeyes. Yeah. No, uh, give me the box. Okay. That's a wrap. Hot takes being thrown around here on Sports that's Night. That's a wrap. <laughs> Two pretty good games at 11 on a watch, right? Yeah. One on ABC, and that's that Northwestern Michigan State. The other one on Big Fox, Michigan and Wisconsin. Looking forward to that. 2.30, we can take a nap. Wait, I thought the other good 11 o'clock kick was UConn-Indiana. Uh, that's where you'll be. <laughs> okay. That's where you'll be. All right. There's, if, you, if you or someone you love has a problem with gambling, call Choices Treatment Center at 402-476-2300 or the Nebraska Gam- Gamblers Assistance Program at 1-833-238-6837. Nate, before we let you go, have you picked out a restaurant destination for us tonight? Do we have a place to go here tonight uh, for some I, dinner? I think we're going to hit Scotty's. I think that's okay. been the consensus is we're going to go to Scotty's, take in the USC-Utah game. Nice. The uh, Clay Helton farewell tour kicks into Ooh. earnest. The Utes go, into, go and throttle the Trojans. Any chance for Notre Dame tomorrow night? Or is it just too big of a hill to climb nah, in Georgia? too big a hill. I, I think Georgia wins. Uh, I Do saw they the, cover? And the number's what? Two 14? touchdowns? Yeah, 13 and a half, 14 right there. Yeah, I, I don't know that they cover. I think that's a I think it's a dog's win, 7 to 10 points. But I, boy, two touchdowns? That's a pretty big slap in the face for sure a is. pretty good Notre Dame team. Sure is. I think if they play this game close... They can still be a playoff contender if they run the rest of the table, but it's going to be hard for them. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right because they'll have to get through Michigan. Right. Even though we're ripping on Jim Harbaugh, that that is a game that will carry some uh, cachet with them if they're able to win it. And, I mean, there's enough juice on that schedule to where if they go 11-1, and yeah, they'll get very strong playoff consideration. I don't know that they do it, but I, I think – you're right in that, that they'll be right there, you know, as long as they keep this thing close. Yeah. Scotty's have wings, do we know? I think uh, they haven't do. checked the menu yet, but I like my chances, and I think that's where I'm going to go with my order. All right, just don't leave without us. Yeah. All right, I'll, st- I'll stick around. All right, Nate Rohr, around here. When we come back, we're going to sit down, and Ben's going to chat with Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. That's coming up next. Sports Nightly Friday Night Edition, motoring right along about halfway through the program tonight, live in Champaign, Illinois. Huskers and Illini locking horns tomorrow night from Illinois' Memorial Stadium, not far from where we are at right now. 
We switch gears a little bit as we do each and every Friday night, talking some National Football League with our friend Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian, what would you have said if I told you we were going to start week three by talking about Gardner Minshew? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I would have said there's no way we're that lucky. Uh, you know, it's funny, and it, it's what, what has happened in the league this year, it kind of sucks. You know, because we've lost a lot of, we as like an NFL community have lost a lot of marquee guys. You know, Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees and uh, Nick Foles, former Super Bowl MVP, all on the shelf for, you know, an extended period of time. And you're never quite sure what that means and who's going to kind of step to the forefront. Um, It might be Mason Rudolph this weekend. It might be Teddy Bridgewater this weekend. Um, Man, it might be Gardner Minshew for the foreseeable future. I He's, you know, last night, he was really good. I mean, he was, you know, I know he's a six-rounder and he's kind of funny and he's got a mustache and he's a little crazy. As a football player, he looked good. And, I mean, the Jaguars went from being like, a, hey, man, we might not be good enough to uh, they got a shot to win their, their division. Uh, I think I think his whole situation is fantastic. What is it about uh, just – his personality, you know, where Jacksonville is a franchise that, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna soak in and love every second of this while while they have. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's so perfect for Jacksonville, and I kind of like these sort of small market, really really devoted fan bases. You know, like the Jags and the Bills, and um, you know, the Chiefs are a little like that. They can latch on to their personalities, you know, so so much. And the fa- I mean, fake mustaches all around, you know. I mean, he just he gives them hope. And the fact that he's like, you know, he's a, he's a Mississippi kid. He's hilarious. His name is Gardner Minshew the second, and his dad's name was not Gardner Minshew, which makes <laughs> obviously no sense. Um, the whole thing is great, you know. And um, I certainly uh, I certainly enjoy this. Well, let's go to the to the other side of the football for them. And Jalen Ramsey is is Gardner Minshew enough to make him want to want to stick around, or is he is he still exploring all options to try and get out of there? Well, I think he's exploring options trying to get out of there. Um, remains to be seen what'll happen. Um, you know, as we kind of go throughout the day, but um, you know, the real question for me is: Do the Jaguars decide to trade him? Do they decide to? you know, kind of go forward and say, we're going to give up our best player. You know, and I just, I don't know. Uh, how big of a haul would they have to get? He makes their defense elite. They looked awesome last night. He helps give them a chance to win the division. Do they really want to deal someone like that? I think that's a big question, and I don't know the answer to that. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and teams can persuade him. You can offer two ones, and it makes it, <coughs> excuse me, a no-brainer. Um, but, I mean, I think the main thing is, <coughs> excuse me, he has a problem with Tom Coughlin, not Marone. And as long as the front office is in place, um, I don't think he'll be very happy in Jacksonville. Would would somebody give up two ones and, and give him a new contract? I mean, we saw Minka Fitzpatrick and kind of what the market is for, for a dynamic playmaker. I mean, how serious would teams have to be and, and how much would they have to give up to get a guy like that? Yeah, I mean, I would say – Teams would have to be very, very serious. And, you know, he's one of the best players in football regardless of position. He is young. He's on a rookie deal that he'll get paid very, very soon, probably be the highest-paid corner. Um, it would certainly be the highest-paid corner in the NFL whenever he gets a new contract. Um, 
you know, I, I, I would say, um, you know, look, here, here's the way I would think of it. Look at every team's, look at every team's last two first rounders, you know, would the, would look at the team's last two first rounders. Would you trade Jalen Ramsey and give up both of those? Sometimes you would. And I think that's a big question. So what if it's, what if it's your last first rounder and give it players in football? I think that's what every team is kind of going through right now. Yeah, definitely a question. And I'm sure it's a, it's a conversation a lot of front offices are having here this week. Well, you, you kind of already touched on something I wanted to bring up, and that's just the state of the quarterback emergency is what I'm calling it around the NFL. Andrew Luck, Nick Foles, Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Drew Brees, Eli Manning. I mean, the backup quarterback right now is 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 the most popular position in the NFL. You mentioned it already a little bit, but what is this doing right now for just the state of the league and and the front offices trying to figure out how they're going to go forward with their season without their starting guy? Well, it does two things. One, it it you know it makes it I don't want to say less interesting. But it changes the focus from, like, the big, big stars like Breeze and Roethlisberger to stars we don't know as well, like Teddy Bridgewater and Mason Rudolph. Daniel Jones, that's another one. You know, start, not for injury, but starting this week. The other thing is, this is a league that is in transition as far as the quarterbacks. There's a lot of good young quarterbacks from Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Baker Mayfield. I mean, there's Kyler Murray. There's a lot of them. Does Daniel Jones join that group? Does Mason Rudolph join that group? You know, I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that, but I think if one of those guys or two of those guys jump to the forefront, then as a league, there's enough big-time stars to get them through the next 10 years or so and just be must-see TV, the next Brady, the next Brady Manning. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of what the league needs, and it's a perfect opportunity this week and going forward. Yeah, and we've definitely seen some guys make some bank off their opportunities. We talked about that earlier this week on our show. Guys like Matt Flynn, uh, you know, who who had a nice paycheck based on one performance. It's definitely an opportunity for these guys. You mentioned two players that uh, that are that are starting and are really excitable and are really young, and they're going head to head this week. Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. How exciting is this going to be on Sunday? Oh man, and I would say, you know. I kind of hope it's a shootout. I think it will be. The only thing that I would say might make me a little nervous for Sunday is that it might rain. Yeah. So if it rains, does it change the epic shootout that's coming? I don't know, but I'll tell you this. Like, I'm not surprised that the Chiefs are great. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm not surprised the Chiefs are great and probably going to be great. The Ravens, man, I mean, the fact that they have the hottest quarterback um, – you know, in the NFL, the most must-see quarterback in the NFL is bonkers. I did not see that coming. He is so improved. He's been throwing it all over the yard. Hadn't really run very much, but has been throwing it like crazy. I cannot wait to watch this game. I mean, yeah, and that's another one. Like, Lamar Jackson comes out and becomes must-see TV. That's another big-time young quarterback the league could have in the next 10 years barring injury. This is all really good. This foundation – is really good. Yeah, that's a great point. The Ravens make a big sign at running back and, and get Mark Ingram. The Chiefs, however, they're, they're dealing with a little situation at running back going into this week. What can you tell us about the status of LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams? Well, Sean McCoy is okay, so I think he's probably going to play. Damian Williams did not practice again on Friday, so it sounds like he's probably not. 
which is okay because the fact that Shady looks good um, is, is a very good sign. And he's always been sort of a quick healer anyway. Now, for Damian Williams, I mean, his, you know, it was a knee bruise, but I guess it's pretty serious. You know, he thought after the game he was okay, but I guess it's pretty serious. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see where that is going forward, but, man, that signing of LaShawn McCoy seems very smart now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I want to get your thoughts on one division in particular. That's the NFC North. Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago. We've seen a couple of these teams match up already. Chicago's offense is just painfully hard to watch right now, but their defense yeah. will keep them in it. Green Bay is is kind of, you know, the, their defense has been playing really well. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins hasn't looked great. How do you size up this division for through, through a couple of weeks? You know, the Packers are 2-0, and and I don't even know what they are. They might be 3-0 this week, and I still don't quite know what they are. Um. Minnesota looked great one week, not great the next week. Cousins really struggled in the red zone, ran the ball well, played good defense. We'll see what they bear. I mean, Bears are struggling. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to know if Mitchell Trubisky is going to make the big leap in the second year that Carson Wentz, or third year that Carson Wentz did. If he is, where is it? I'd say the, the interesting thing to me is the Lions yeah. kind of sneaky look good a little bit. And I hear in the locker room, it's in a really, really good place. Um, so I'll be, I'll I'll be curious where the Lions end up here, and are they going to be okay? Are they they going to be the one that's better than people think? If they are, that would be that would be quite a surprise. No question about it. All right, I'll let you go with this one: Rams and Browns. Who's the more intriguing team to follow throughout the year? Oh, the Browns. Oh yeah, the Browns. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be great. That, that's going to be a great one on Sunday night. And you know, they're they're all banged up, and we'll see what happens, but. Um, I'm fascinated by the Browns. I'd like to know, you know, what we're going to get out of Baker, how many injuries they're going to be. They, they had a lot of hype, and part of, you know, getting on, getting a lot of hype is you get primetime games. You know, this is a big one. And the <laughs> excuse me, and the Rams, you know, the the uh, Super Bowl participant. You know, it's this is a big one, and I think the Browns to sort of live up to that and. Take their claim as one of the top teams in the NFL need to win. There's a lot of pressure, and we will see how they handle it. It's going to be – I don't know which way it's going to go, but it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I've got a seat in fr- on my couch in front of the TV Sunday night to watch that one. Should be a lot of fun. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com. Hey, we appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for keeping us up to date on a very busy week for you. Enjoy <laughs> the game Sunday. All right, thanks for having me. Take care, man. Yeah, you too. Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network and NFL.com with us on Sports Nightly, as is each and every Friday night here on the program. We'll take a timeout. we got more Sports Nightly coming up on the other side. We're back. Sports Nightly here on a Friday night. Last segment of the night as we get you ready for Husker football tomorrow, 2 o'clock pregame coverage, and we've hit that time where it's set up for our winners and losers of the week. Ben, you want to lay this off? Sure, I would love to. My winner of the week... It's kind of an Austin Orman, but I, but I, I may be able to put it no. under one umbrella. I'm going Washington State University as my winner. Um, not only for Mike Leach's phenomenal breakdown of the mascot, the, the, the potential uh, battle of Pac-12 mascots, uh, very thorough and, and well thought out as you would expect from the Pirate, but also Gardner Minshew, you know, a product of Washington State last night and becoming one of the most talked about phenoms of the national football league with his stash and his just incredible story overall so between mike leach and gardner Win- Minshew, it's a good week for uh, the austin hook with that yeah i mean it's, it falls under one umbrella uh, my loser i'm going uh speaking of gardner Minshew, 
kind of starting quarterbacks in the National Football League. It's just been a really disastrous year, starting with Andrew Luck. I think we can all blame him for, you know, being the first domino to, to knock over all the rest. And, uh, you know, we blame Andrew Luck, and we can blame Austin Orman for being a fan of Andrew Luck. So, <laughs> yeah, really just a tough deal for starting quarterbacks. And uh, knock on wood that the Kansas City Chiefs starting quarterback avoids being a, another number on that list. Again. Well, Ben, this is this is why that doesn't work because I actually had both of those that you had as your oh. winner, and I had one or the one or the other, and I was gonna use the other as the backup, which oh. one you didn't use. So, <laughs> bummer. But, but no, that's fine because the you know Mike Leach and the mascots, but then Gardner Minshew, and that kind of plays into my loser of the week. Two sides of one coin. My loser of the week is Thursday night football last night. It was a terrible oh. game between the Jags and the Titans with all the penalties, but. You know it's a bad game, and as the loser, when Tom Brady goes on and blasts blasts you on Twitter, saying it's unwatchable, saying he's going to turn off the TV. So if if Tom, if the great Tom Brady can't watch you, then then you know you're a loser. So that's that's my loser of the week. Okay, I'm going to stay with the loser theme, and I think we've all three put the NFL in the loser category. <laughs> to me, it's been the officiating. It's just been atrocious. I hardly can watch games anymore. Some of the personal fouls and the roughing the passer calls. To me, just seem ludicrous. I understand we're trying to protect the quarterback and cheap shots, dirty shots. I'm all for getting those, sticking those with flags. But man, some can't of these are just them can't even tackle them. Baker Mayfield just gets tapped after he throws a thing, and he kind of flies into the bench, and they throw a flag on it. That's not a penalty, and not just a flag, but they fined Jamal Adams twenty-one thousand ah. dollars for that hit. It's, and he goes, next time I'm just going to run up to him, pr- tag him, and say, you're it. Yeah, it's just it's just becoming harder and harder to watch the league play. My winner, I think you guys will like this. It's the fans of the Boston Red Sox who got to watch one of their all-time greats, Carl Yastrzemski, throw a first pitch to his grandson, Mike Yastrzemski. He's in the big leagues playing with the San Francisco Giants. What a cool moment. And earlier in the series, Mike homered at Fenway Park. I mean, that just that brings it all back to full circle. But what a cool moment. Been a bad year, tough year for the Red Sox not feeling sorry for him because that whole town's had winter after winter after winter come through there but that was a pretty special moment for baseball yeah that was pretty darn cool yeah I feel like that's something that that only happens in baseball it's kind of unique to the sport think about how many father-son combos and now father-grandson combos there have been in baseball it's it's littered with them in fact that'd be a pretty good little top 10 list wouldn't it yeah top top 10 father-son combos in MLB Uh, crazy stuff all right that'll do it Uh, long day tomorrow we'll sit around the hotel all day get ready for a two o'clock opening drive and see if we can get this thing going and get a road win that sounds all right doesn't it i will i will sign up for that pass the sheet over and i'll sign it all right very good that'll do it for tonight's show uh again tomorrow two o'clock pregame coverage here on the network with the opening drive nate roar and i will be joined by evan bland of the omaha world herald thanks to ben to josh and to everyone for being a part of this one tonight enjoy your friday night back with you tomorrow here in champaign